Today's episode of the Locked On Phillies podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Locked On Phillies podcast. Today is Tuesday, May 18th, 2021. And on today's episode, a very special guest. It's my longtime friend, Aaron Strongen, also known as at Chief Anchor Buzz on Twitter. Uh, Aaron and I have known each other uh, going back a while now. We are now both 23 years old. We both graduated Temple University together. We were college roommates. We've known each other since first grade, growing up together uh, just outside of Philadelphia and graduating from Lower Marion High School together where we played on the baseball team. We now currently coach a 9U travel baseball team together, which we talk about a little bit in the podcast. And, you know, frankly, I regard him as a highly esteemed baseball mind. He was a pitcher coming up. I was a hitter. And, you know, we would just enjoy talking the game. We're in a fantasy baseball league together. Uh, We enjoy talking smack, giving each other a hard time. Uh, He certainly does a lot of that uh, on Twitter for those of you who are on social media and see the interactions he has. The account is almost dedicated to keeping me in line and me in check. But at the end of the day, we are pretty good friends and uh, enjoy, you know, kind of being sarcastic and with each other and also talking the game of baseball. And frankly, he, uh, he, he begged a little bit to, uh, come on the podcast cause he is such an avid listener. And so I felt the need to reward him with this appearance, give him his 15 minutes of fame with a locked on Phillies appearance. So without any further hesitation, I present to you my conversation with Aaron Strong and, and it, it was more or less a, you know, the, the season is 25% done. Where are we at? with this Phillies team. So you can take a listen to our conversation. Joining us today on the Locked on Phillies podcast is a esteemed baseball mind, uh, my longtime friend, high school baseball teammate, and now co-coach of the Philadelphia Prime 9U travel baseball team. Uh, if we're not talking baseball, we're probably, you know, talking smack and whatever whatever else about our fantasy teams, about some some opinion that I didn't really have that, He's trying to frame to the world that I had it. He's keeping me in check on Twitter and he's a big fan of the podcast. And if you don't follow him on Twitter, uh, you certainly should be. It's at chief anchor buzz. Uh, it is Aaron strong. And uh, again, huge fan of the locked on Phillies podcast live tweets that he listens every day. And he has worked his way onto this podcast. I can't believe I'm saying it, but welcome to the program. Yeah, it's uh, been a long time coming. I've been requesting to be on for months now need to get my Phillies opinions out there uh, for the world to see, um, not just for my like 260-ish followers I have on Twitter. Not sure why anyone follows me, but if you like the content, you should follow. And I'm, I'm just happy to be here today. So quick explanation here. My childhood nickname was Buzz. I, of course, go by my more professional name, Dan Wilson, on this podcast. But if Aaron slips here, Aaron Strongman, by the way, is his real name, Chief Anchor buzz on twitter and i believe it's buzz in quotes showtime wilson big fan of shohei otani had a homer uh, tonight had a home run tonight uh but yeah so in case he slips at any point during the podcast and calls me buzz that's the explanation of it because again we're childhood friends and look we we, we banter this is what fr- this is what friends do so you said you had some opinions you wanted to get out on the phillies uh 41 games in the season i'm finally letting you do so finally giving you a voice you will not be silenced any longer the phillies are 21 and 20 about to start a series with the Miami Marlins. There's tons of gripes that I know you and I both have with this team, but 
I'm going to let you take more of the floor in this one because you obviously tune in every day, hear me get upset with a number of things with this team, whether it's the manager, the manager in his post-game press conferences, the defense with this team, the pitching usage with this team, the lack of depth on this team, or whatever other BS way this team finds ways to lose games or just be annoying and create aggravation for this team. Where would you like to start? I'll ask you this. What is the most annoying aspect of this Phillies team? If you had to pick one, just one thing that you say, that's what pisses me off more than anything else as we sit here 41 games into the 2021 season. Um, definitely the worst thing for me is the managing because just to be honest, all, all the things a manager does that are negative can pretty much be avoided by just being somewhat competent. And I do not believe we have a competent manager right now. Um, just random double switches, playing Scott Kingry at all, just getting, getting in fights with players in the dugout. Like we brought him in pretty much to be a positive voice in the clubhouse as a World Series champion, which honestly, you probably could have won the World Series with a team that stacked. So he, he didn't have to really manage a bullpen in, on that team, just Mariano come in. That was, that was pretty easy to do. But now, as you see, with a worse roster, worse, just worse everything, worse structure, it's, it's just all coming down. I just think he's kind of overwhelmed. He's never had to deal with this much adversity. When you have a lineup where you just plug in A-Rod, one of the greatest players ever, Derek Jeter, first ballot Hall of Fame player, Mark Teixeira, just like, just like Robinson Cano, you just don't really have to make any tough decisions. And when it comes to the Phillies, he, he just can't, can't seem to get a decision right. Just it's, it's, it's tough to watch. It, it is tough to watch. And, you know, using David Hale and high leverage situations, not great, not great. I can't explain to you, and I don't even know if it's his fault necessarily, but I cannot justify why Scott Kingery even has a roster spot. I mean, I guess that's a front office thing. It speaks largely to the lack of, lack of depth within the organization. And they clearly keep these guys off the injured list or attempt to keep them off the injured list and basically enter games with no bench because they have no one viable to bring up yesterday or on Monday, rather, on Sunday against the Blue Jays. They're starting Rafael Marchand at catcher because Real Muto's got a wrist injury. And then now we got Nap with a ghost rib injury like 20 minutes before the game. And Scott Kingry starting in right, and he runs into a wall. So now you have to go to Bryce Harper, who is the highest paid player on the team. And you don't even want him playing there. And you're holding your breath as he's in the lineup. It speaks to a larger organizational failure that you're, I wouldn't say is entirely on Girardi, but the managing has not been good. And I've been very vocal about that, that this guy won the World Series, what, 12 years ago now. It was against the Phillies. We all remember it. But that team was far more talented than this Phillies team is. He certainly loves to double switch for sometimes no apparent reason, which is not something you have at your disposal in the maybe got sick of managing in the American League all these years. And last year there was the DH for the Phillies. So he just loves to double switch. Now it's National League baseball likely going to go away. But you're right, it doesn't make a ton of sense. And it the roster creates havoc. That's a beef that I have. And I, I know this is something that you wanted to get to as well. The lack of depth in this rotation coming into the season with Matt Moore and Chase Anderson as your four and five starters, I think has been nothing short of a failure, but I can't say that I'm disappointed only because it's honestly what I think just about everyone expected. Yeah. Um, 
in the rotation, I, I remember exactly when we signed Matt Moore, we were actually as 23 year olds. Yes. Going sledding as 23 year olds. And I check my phone. I see the Philly sign Matt Moore. And I don't know. I just, I kind of just didn't understand who was bidding for him exactly that you had to give him a major league contract. Like you're probably bidding against yourself there. Um, just to like, I just don't, I just, I just never understood it. He was terrible before he went over overseas, came back is still terrible. He's pretty unusable, um, which is saying something given the, some of the other arms you have in that bullpen. Um, Chase Anderson. I just don't, I don't understand why you aren't taking a risk with more of a high, high ceiling pitcher to fill out the back of the rotation instead of just get, getting a guy that you know is going to be terrible, at least like not give you a chance to win a decent amount of the times he goes out there. I know he was terrible last year. He's been, he was serviceable until yesterday, but you, you know, you know, at some point he has, he doesn't have like elite stuff. He just has like rent, like he just throws like 90 miles an hour. He's an innings eater, if you will, my, yeah. fa- my favorite saying, but you actually have to eat the innings. And yesterday or on Monday, he went an inning in the third and allowed seven runs. It's not exactly uh, cutting the mustard there. Yeah, you at least you at least want to see five innings, maybe three runs from him. I just I'm not sure he can do that on a consistent basis. I would rather see a more high like you see, like the Mets, they went out, they got Taiwan Walker for the back of the rotation, got hurt today. But that's like a high ceiling guy that is more than an innings eater at best at, at his, at his peak. He's a great pitcher just due to injury. He hasn't been able to show it this year. He is absolutely showing it. And the Phillies decided to roll with Matt Moore and Chase Anderson, two guys that you aren't even sure are going to be competent major league starters. Honestly, I believe I remember us specifically discussing the Phillies Taiwan Walker hypothetical while playing tennis shortly after that sledding uh, day that you mentioned uh, when Matt Moore was signed. And we kind of were both in agreement of I would like we would rather go in the direction, I think, both of us of getting more high end starters or even going after one high end starter and then filling out the back end of your rotation with. I don't know, slop, you want to call it, or more of a Chase Anderson-esque type. They're spending a combined $11 million between Anderson, Matt Moore, and Vince Velasquez just to figure out that Vince Velasquez is the best of the three, which, you know, everyone's favorite Vince Velasquez. He's showing blips of competency here, I guess you could say. He's actually pitched relatively well recently, but we've seen this before. Like Vince Velasquez, you're not trusting him, banking on him to give you solid starts throughout the course of the season. And now this begs the question, and this isn't even something we discussed before coming on today. What do you do with a guy like Spencer Howard? Someone they want to manage his innings over the course of the season. You have long-term investment in this guy. Do they bite the bullet and try and get him up for major league starts? Him and Anderson have been starting on the same day, which almost makes you fit Howard down in the minors and Anderson in the majors, which almost makes it seem like they have it lined up that if they want to put Spencer Howard in Chase Anderson's spot in the rotation, they could do it. What would be, how open would you be to that idea? And frankly, what else do you do if you don't go in that direction? Um, I'm honestly open to anyone starting in his spot in the rotation. And Spencer Howard, like 
I'm not sure what else he has to prove in the minor leagues. He was pretty dominant the season before COVID in the minor leagues and starts mostly in uh, single A and uh, in Reading. And he's pitched very well at AAA this year, not as much in the major leagues. But at some at some point, you have to take the baby the baby gloves off the sky and just just let him go. Honestly, I would rather um, Medina be starting games over Chase Anderson. Like at some point, he's been in he's been one of your better prospects for a while, which by the way is pretty sad. But at least at least give him a shot and see what he can do. Like you know, Chase Anderson isn't going to be doing anything great, so just just give him a shot, see what he can do. If he's if he's terrible, if he's terrible, you just bring back Chase Anderson or anyone else, literally anyone else, because. To be honest, if you lose Chase Anderson via waivers, like you should, you should probably thank the other team for paying the rest of his salary this season. Yeah, and this this lack of depth, what really concerns me, and we're going to transition here to the top end of the rotation. And you spoke to the lack of organizational development that this team has had for years. Well, one guy they have actually developed is Aaron Nola, and we'll get to him in a second. But the top end of this rotation is basically carrying the starting pitching as a whole. There's a huge drop-off after the top three. And if one of them gets hurt for any lengthy period of time, this team is, I mean, screwed beyond belief. Let's call it what it is. I don't know how, like, they entered the season basically praying for health, praying that Moore and Anderson, like, it, it's, it seemed it was more built on hope than actual logic. Moore and Anderson were filled out as the back end of the rotation. They weren't going to spend a ton of money because their entire offseason plan was basically to bring back Real Muto. So they spend three and four million dollars respectively to bring back Moore and Anderson. They fill out the end of the rotation and just hope that they're competent major league starters. And Moore has proven himself right out of that. They went back to year six of Vince Velasquez. They're now on Chase Anderson, who up until this Toronto start, a team that is familiar with him because he was there and he gets shelled an inning in the third allows seven runs. And now there are questions as to whether he even deserves a spot in the rotation, but what are they going to do? If one of the big three of Nola Wheeler Eflin goes out, I have absolutely no idea. We'll start with Nola. Cause this is someone that we've debated a lot. There's a lot of debate around him in general, whether he's an ace, whether he's not an ace, what even defines an ace, Regardless of where you stand on that, and you're certainly free to give your take on whether Nola is an ace or not. You and I were discussing something specifically, you know, just real uh, hard hitting baseball minds here. And we're, we're going to bring this knowledge to our uh, nine U travel baseball team of what specifically you see. We were talking things like arm slot, his pitching mechanics. You were a high school pitcher yourself who I know had the fundamentals drilled into you time after time after time. What do you see with Aaron Nola? that basically makes him the pitcher that he is? Why does he struggle on the road? And why, in your opinion, again, in my opinion, I don't think he's in that top caliber of pitchers, but he's still pretty good. Well, to start off, I just think I have definitely a more strict definition of what an ace is than, let's say, Philly's Twitter or the Philly's, Philly's team Twitter account. Um, but I would only like if you're if you're like the aces in my opinion 
like Jacob deGrom, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander when he's healthy, like Corbin Burns, like those level of guys. And unfortunately, I like I would love Aaron Nola to be on their level, but he just isn't. I forgot Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole's had an amazing season. Definitely, definitely an ace pitcher. But putting Aaron Nola in in the cat in a conversation with those guys I listed, and if I'm forgetting anyone, it's just kind of disrespectful to those pitchers who are just are just tiers above him. And a lot of a thing that's similar with all those pitchers is they throw so hard that they have room for error when they make a pitch. Aaron Nola. It's just this when they miss style. a pitch. You're saying what you're saying when they miss a pitch, there's room. Oh for yeah, error. when they when they miss a pitch, like it's gonna happen to everyone. They have room for error, like might because they throw close to or at 100 miles an hour. Jake Degrom consistently throws hot harder than that. Garrett Cole as well. Um, just Aaron Nola with the low velocity and the loopiness of his pitches. It's just gonna be inevitable that when he misses a pitch it's gonna be much easier to hit it's gonna hang way more and i just feel like that's something that's unavoidable unless you have like greg maddox level control which sometimes he does and when he does he's absolutely locked down but that's very hard to maintain over 30 starts and And usually at home and we saw we've seen starts like that against and whether it's bad offense or good pitching, whatever you want to call it, you know, he comes out and throws a complete game shutout against the Cardinals, but in all of his starts since there's usually a mistake or two mixed in there or, and they're usually early and then he might battle back and give you six or seven innings, but it's after allowing three or four runs. And sometimes with this offense, it's just not enough. Yeah. What I was going to say, the offense definitely hasn't lived up to expectations and with an ACE, you kind of need him to go out there and just give you a lockdown outing just and give your the bullpen a rest, give the offense some some leeway to not have to maybe score as many runs that day. But unfortunately this year he just hasn't been able to do it just for whatever reason, especially recently because early in the year he looked very, very good. Right now, and maybe this is just based upon stats this year, but if I told you that, and not that the Phillies have played like a postseason team, but let's say they had a win-or-go-home game to get into the playoffs tomorrow and everyone was well-rested and you're Joe Girardi, you start and I'll give you two scenarios, game at home, game on the road, if that's factoring in here. You have one guy you're sending out the pitch there to start the game. You're going with Nola or Wheeler right now? Well, right now, I just, I got to go with, with Wheeler just because he's been extremely consistent all year and his ERA maybe even has been inflated by just not plays that have been ruled errors, but just kind of mental, mental errors that especially I just remember like Bryce Harper just and Oduble just not communicating. It's interesting because that night I, I, I taught the nine-year-olds how to call fly balls. So, and they were able to do it successfully, but I guess Bryce Harper and Oduble on that play couldn't, but I just think Zach Wheeler's stuff plays more into a postseason pitcher. He isn't going to necessarily throw any loopy pitches necessarily. Um, I just, I just like 
I like his velocity in a postseason setting. And I just have a lot of confidence that he can come out and give you a quality outing in a postseason atmosphere against a good quality opponent. More of my conversation with Aaron coming right up. But first, I want to tell you about my friends at Wealthfront. If you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open a Wealthfront investment account today. Decades of data show that investors that trade individual stocks underperform the market every year. In fact, only 1% of day traders beat the stock market. The odds are not in your favor if you're doing it alone. Team up with Wealthfront instead. Investing can be complicated. But whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every kind of portfolio. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you can control. Wealthfront can even help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual 0.25% advisory fee. And best of all, it's all automatic. Wealthfront is trusted with more than $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB. All you need is $500 to get started, grow your wealth the easy way, and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB. That's W E A L T H F R O N T dot com slash locked on MLB to start growing your savings. Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on MLB and be sure to get started today. Also, want to tell you about my friends at rockauto.com with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible to stock all of the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his or her computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Chain stores have different price tiers for the professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing the prices based on what the market will bear the way airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everybody, does not require membership or account login. Rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for more than 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for the auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Head to rockauto.com. How much, because you mentioned that you were, you know, you're teaching the nine-year-olds and I had the mispractice last week. I will be joining, rejoining the team this week yeah. at practice. practice. How much, kid. yeah, how much the Phillies have played. Can you remember a Phillies team or a baseball team in general? Maybe this is just recency bias that has been as bad at defense at the major league level as this Phillies team. Well, I'm, I'm glad you put major league level in there because our, our high school varsity team was, was very bad on defense. So um, just basically, I, I can't really remember one that it just, it's not even, it's not even physical errors all the time. It's just not mental knowing errors, knowing where to go ball. with it, it calling yeah. players off like zero team chemistry, things that are givens in other major league clubhouses. This team seems to have zero of, and what I was going to ask you is because we oftentimes debate the importance of a major league manager. And I, I agree with you. I think oftentimes it can be 
overstated, though I look around baseball every year and say that there are bad managers every time. They're, they obviously have all this information at their disposal. They're second-guessed. I won't say more so than any other sports because there's play calls and football and stuff like that. And when you get in the playoff series in the NBA, but as far as who to go to, but something that oftentimes doesn't get discussed as a manager. And I kind of wanted your take on how, like how much of the bad defense and the lack of team chemistry falls on Girardi falls on the coaching staff, the organization, whoever you want to put the blame on, like, isn't this stuff you should be going over in spring training? Like if, if our nine-year-old team came out, was horrible at all this stuff. Wouldn't if you're sitting there as a parent or the team or us as coaches, wouldn't you be like, all right, we got to work on that. Yeah, I feel I feel like it's definitely an indictment on the manager. And I can give like anecdotes from me as a high school player. Um, I just with with some of the coaching we had, my head definitely was not in was not in it. And I just wasn't motivated to go out there and even with like the Gene Segura blow up, like you might, might think he isn't necessarily all in not, not saying that, I guess, but just like at least mentally yesterday was, wasn't into it. And that's definitely, definitely on the manager. Um, I think the main role of a manager in a major league setting should just, just stay out of the way and not mess anything up. And I don't think Girardi's proven that, that he can do that. Just you can definitely overstep your boundaries as a manager and make way too many decisions, but it's, it's baseball. Just, just put your best nine out there and, and just go and try to play, play baseball. I don't know. And if nothing else, like manage the clubhouse or have your team like ready to play. Like if, if your job is nothing else, like I think there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. I would guess I'm not in a major league clubhouse. We're sitting here giving anecdotes at the high school level, just because some of it seems so basic but if nothing else wouldn't a major league manager like okay here's what we're going over if you're going to go out and make a mound visit or you're going to have a million different signs wouldn't it be okay the ball needs to go to this base at this given time which is something we've seen them mess up the little stuff like forgetting someone off the lineup card or forgetting how many mound visits you make is just stupid beyond belief in, in its own category but this team, frankly, at least in my opinion, I went on a rant, which I know you listened to a few weeks ago right here on this podcast, that this team overall seems to look unprepared in big games, especially on the road. Like every time they go down to Atlanta, I think the Braves are a better team. But even when they're in the games, like they always look unprepared. And there's oftentimes a mental error that shoots themselves right in the foot. And I think that has to at least be partially on the manager because I get these guys make tons of money that they you can't have supreme power over the team the same way you might have at the little league or the high school or even the college level where you're recruiting these guys. But if nothing else, like just have some sort of team chemistry, have this, okay, if this happens on this bunt, we're going here on this comeback or the mound, we're going here. And I feel like good managers find ways to do that and communicate to guys who make far more money than they do and ultimately earn the trust of those teams and good teams still need someone who's good at that to ultimately be a successful team. But maybe I'm, overrating the importance of what he does or that how easy it is to actually do that. But that's just, I guess, kind of my take on the whole thing. I don't know if you have any additional thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I just want to mention that Gabe Kapler down or uh, in there and uh, what's it called? Um, San Diego, San, San, San Francisco, Diego, San the Francisco. first place giants. Yeah. 
Yeah, San Francisco. First place uh, over the Dodgers and the Padres. He has a team with much less talent than the Phillies. Absolutely performing at a, a very high level. He, I know you ran him out of Philadelphia. I know you did that. Not actually, but but I like to say he did. But he's just, I don't understand why the general consensus of Phillies fans were so anti him, maybe just because of his attitude. But I really don't know what else he could have done. The man was given a hand where he had to bat Nick Williams fifth consistently. And, and went 500 team, with those teams. Yeah. And went 500 with, with teams with just un, unusable bullpen pieces and, un, un, and like not great starting pitching, not great hitting. Like, I just don't know what else he could have done to keep his job. And now you're seeing. I guess a worse, a worse manager trying to deal with this. And I think most people are starting to realize now that a huge mistake might've been made and it really shows what happens when you have, you have a manager who under who like can make at make competent decisions within the game and the decisions Gabe Kapler made that didn't work. Like, I don't know who else people wanted him to bring out of the bullpen. Like you have your, your lefties at one point, like Adam Lowen, like, I don't know who, who you would ever want him to like bring in. Lefty but, specialist, Aaron loop. This guy yeah, was actually this guy, been good this year, by the way, th- this guy but, was working every ounce of back when they actually still used 40 man rosters in September. That guy was Gabe Kapler when you could still go to one pitcher for one batter. I mean, the game might take four hours, but he was using every last tool at his disposal to try and go win a game. And he always seemed like we, we know Gabe Kapler loves preparation and you know what the team actually, and he looked prepared when the giants came to Philly this year, that looked like a prepared team and he outmanaged Joe Girardi and they won two of three from the Phillies. And it, no, it's, it drives me up a wall too. And it it's quite annoying yeah. and speaks largely to where the giants are with a seemingly worse team and the Phillies with this team. And I, I think that can be, Like, that's how you can quantify what a good and bad manager can do. Like, I think a good manager can add some wins to you and a bad manager can take it away. And ultimately, there's a lot of clubhouse stuff that goes on behind the scenes that's probably harder or different than you or I can imagine. But I I think there can be something said to it. And you're right. We're now seeing it now that Kapler's gone in his second stop. And I would also guess that he's probably, to be fair, a better manager the second time around than he was the first time. Any good manager should be. But yeah, still, I, we're, we're seeing this. Like he just has every pl- he has a lot of players on their team, just playing at at great levels. Like Evan Longoria, it's like 2008 again somehow, and Buster Posey's like MVP candidate. He's hitting 380 this year. I I could I checked the stats this morning. I saw him on the free agent wire in fantasy baseball. Could not believe his stats. Like Gabe Kapler, who whoever their coaches are, clearly are somehow pulling strings that the Phillies just, just, they don't, they just aren't able to do. And it's unfortunate because we had him and he got run out of town because of his personality pretty much. And you're going to have to watch him, watch him do it in uh, San Francisco for probably the foreseeable future. If he keeps this up. 
Uh, let's talk about this team's offense, because this was a team that I, I went on a rant on yesterday's podcast, basically how there's nothing you can count on night in and night out with this team. And I thought, if anything, it would have been the offense because this team basically returned the same lineup as it did last year and was tied for the fifth most runs in baseball. And I get that this is 162 games versus 60, but we've played 41 thus far, and we're already seeing a stark difference. The strikeout numbers are way up. I know strikeout numbers are up around baseball, and there's a number of different factors that go into that. But they're 28th out of 30 teams in a bad way, like have the third most strikeouts in all of baseball. There are nights where the hitting just goes silent. We saw it the other night in Dunedin against the Blue Jays. And when they score runs, they seem to do it in big innings, which maybe is a product of modern day baseball and approach. But this team's been through, I think, six different hitting coaches in as many years. We're seeing a huge decline in a guy like Alec Bohm. Reese Hoskins is hot one week cold the next and no one can ever seem to get going all at the same time from a hitting perspective a are you disappointed in any one thing in particular what do you make of the approach or lack thereof and is this something that ultimately gets turned around or is this team going to have to try and win games throughout the course of the season where on nights where the offense just doesn't show up well to be to be fair they did face noted Cy Young candidate Anthony Kay who has about an 11 ERA so Getting no, it, 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 it dipped way below that after a yeah. start the other night. The Phillies helped yeah. them out. Well, well, face facing a guy like him, you know it's going to be a tough night with a guy who gets hammered by almost every other team when you face yeah, a guy when, like that. When, when I looked at that Aaron Nola Anthony K pitching matchup, I said, "Wow, the Blue Jays really have the advantage here." And yeah, it, it, I went on I went on DraftKings to get my Cy Young future in on him before the game. Um, definitely, definitely like a, um, a minus odds bet there with how he's been playing this year. So getting shut down by him is definitely acceptable, but in all honesty, like guys like that, you just have to win those games. He hasn't shown up this year. He had, he didn't show up last year. The blue Jays pretty much, they wanted some innings eaten and he did, he did. Well, he, 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 he ate four innings for them. And then they faced five innings of the bullpen and struck out 14 times in the game. So, you know, what do you make of this hitting approach? Um, just I don't know what happened to like anyone's approach, especially Reese. I just I just don't know. He com- must doesn't even walk anymore. Yeah. I just don't understand what happened. Like he might not be the most aesthetically pleasing player to watch, and he might be the most frustrating player legitimately of all time to watch. But if you're getting on base 40% of the time, 38 to 40% of the time, like you can't really be mad at him. But right now he's just he just isn't doing that. And another issue is there's a massive hole at third base. Alec Bohm, I know, noted gold glover at third, not. But yeah, you, you can put up with the defense at least somewhat if he, the guy hits, but he doesn't, he doesn't even hit now. But now he, I just don't know. He, he, he looks like he has to, he just has to be pressing. You see him getting very animated when he strikes out, which is unfortunately quite a common occurrence now i like i was huge on this guy coming up i thought he would be one of the better players probably the second best hitter on the team this year behind bryce but he just he just looks kind of lost at the plate and he's just getting beaten by fastballs just doesn't doesn't even matter if it has a lot of velocity for mlb standards on it 
just getting beat by it. And I think that's definitely an adjustment he can make. It's just a matter of when and when he can make it. And hopefully the sooner the better. Uh, just the the all-around approach is is just lacking from most hitters on the team. I never liked Didi or Gene's approach of just swing, but Gene, Gene has been one of the better players on the team, and I'm usually a huge Gene hater, but this year I really can't can't hate on him too much. Like he's been the most consistent hitter outside of Bryce and JT, I guess, on, on the roster. I don't even know what's wrong with JT at this point, but if he's hurt, it's he's it's he's good and consistent when he plays. It's just when he plays, you know, it's not great when you sign and you're in the first year of a five year contract on the biggest contract ever for a catcher. And one day it's a wrist injury. The next one day he can play the next day. He can't, you're DHing him. You're trying to bring him back Sunday. He can't go. Now you have a mysterious rib injury with map and suddenly you're on Rafael Marchand before you know it. Yeah, and JT also came into the season, people forget, with an injury as well that he was recovering from. It's just it's just like a whole lot of bad, like a whole like a negative storm that just hit him all and when gu- and when guys get hot, like the injury. most annoying thing, and I don't even know how you fix this, is when guys get going, it's not even at the same time. Like Hoskins was good and then he gets cold again. And now suddenly Andrew McCutcheon, after a couple of days off, like figured out how to hit again, whether that's consistent over the course of a season, we'll certainly see. I almost feel like that's what they tried it a little bit with Bohm last week. They had the off day on Monday and then they sat him out the game against Washington on Tuesday. I almost feel like you, I agree with you. He looks like he's pressing. He's getting really frustrated. Like give the guy a series off. I, I don't even know what else to try. I feel like he just needs time. I, I know you don't really do this, but have him sit on the bench for a day, have him just like away from the team for a day. Like the guy needs to clear his head because he's trying. It's almost like he's trying too hard. And we know he knows he's capable of it. He's knows he's he knows he's capable of more. And the guy can't even catch a break when he does hit the ball hard. It's right at somebody. So like, let him clear his head. I can't believe that the majority of what's going on with Alec Bohm hasn't turned into mental at this point. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I can't tell you what's going on. He looked, unbelievable last year and he would have been rookie of the year if Devin Williams didn't have one of like an historic season and was an old school hitter in the sense of okay we know around baseball we have the true outcomes there's walks there's strikeouts there's home runs and got guys have launch angle swings up and down lineups and they're trying to get runs in fast but he was kind of like balancing that out seemed like he hated the strikeout would hit the ball into the gaps love to go the other way and now we're seeing the flip side of it, of his strikeout rate is going up. And even when he hits the ball hard, it's an out. And now it's creeping into his mental physique. It's bad. And they try, I would have liked to even see him sit out two games last week. I don't know if that would have made a difference or not, but go all in and giving him some time off. But perhaps the lack of depth, especially on the team right now is frankly why he needs to stay in the lineup, but it's certainly not for his defense because every time a ball is hit in the direction of third base, you're holding his breath at the play. will even get completed. Yeah. I, I just feel that he he's going to come around. He's too talented of a player not to his stats at the end of the year might not look pretty, but it's just because of this stretch at the beginning. Like he produced very well last year. I just hope he can just figure it out. He's just in his own head right now. I, I think he is going to be completely fine. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too worried about him, but I do want to mention two guys that 
I want in the lineup on almost an everyday basis. Nick Maton and Brad Miller. I, I was going to guess Miller's, and Maton has done nothing but play well since he's been up. I just, Brad Miller, he's, he's bounced around a lot, but the man, the man, wherever he goes, he, he seems to be able to hit. I'm, he just, I'm not sure why veteran minimum contracts are something that he has to settle for each offseason. And he always does it. Like he literally always does it. And he, he does it. The man can play every position pretty much the he can play the corners he can play second he can play corner outfield he gives you versatility he can hit for power he's he's gonna hit for a decent average he he has a good eye at the plate i just don't know why he's so like available every offseason and i'm just glad the phillies have him because he can fill in anywhere and he just he just flat out hits nick maton he he's one of the, he just looks very, I just don't understand why Joe Girardi keeps batting like eighth. Makes no sense to me, at least when you have Alec Bohm struggling, hitting like fifth, but I just, I, he needs to be in the lineup. He needs to play. He, he's good defensively, which you can't say about, about most of the team, most yeah. of the team. He can play all the infield slots except first base. I just I I just feel like he's got to be in there, and especially when Didi Didi is out, he he can fill in nicely at shortstop. The final segment of today's Locked On Phillies podcast is coming right up, but first, I want to tell you about BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all of the action. At Bet Online, get the latest news, odds, and info for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. And for the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit when you use that promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N on the website or your mobile device for 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline.ag to your online sportsbook experts. Also want to tell you about my friends at Built Bar. You already know at this point, Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. Built Bar has nine delicious flavors. When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. There's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, and there's definitely something for everyone. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of each of those nine flavors. All the flavors have 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of of net carbs, net carbs rather. And again, it's nine amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. Order today, get that raspberry, the mint brownie, or whatever you like. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your first, first order. Again, go to builtbar.com, use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. One last time, that's LOCKED15 for 15% off your first order at builtbar.com. Um, I'll get you out of here on that. Well, first of all, before we wrap this up, anything else with this Phillies team that you feel is important to the story of the 2021 Phillies thus far? Again, they played 41 games that I 
have not hit. We kind of went all around the team. We didn't get to the bullpen actually yet. Uh, we, we didn't debate the validity of bullpen usage, whether Hector Neris should be the closer. I know you don't necessarily think, well, I'll let you kind of speak for yourself on that, but what have you made of this bullpen this year? Because certainly last year, the bullpen was the story of the season being the worst in baseball in 90 years. Well, I came into the season, I was actually kind of excited about some of the arms that we had, but unfortunately, a lot of them have drastically underperformed. Connor Brogdon is the one who stands out the most at the end of last year. When I watched him pitch, I'm like, why was this guy not in the bullpen all year? And now when you watch him, he just can't get an out and I just don't understand with his stuff how he cannot strike anyone out. It just it's it's kind of a mystery to me. I he, he I just I just I have faith in him, but he just needs to be he just has to turn it around somehow. I'm not sure how that's for them to figure out. And obviously your guy David Hale been a good addition not, but he when he comes in the game, I honestly just turn the TV off at this point just because you know he, it's going to be frustrating. He's going to give up runs. He somehow is used in high leverage. You mean um, you, didn't, you didn't like him bases loaded versus Trevi, Trevor Story at Coors? You didn't think that was a good spot for him? I, I, I can't believe you're saying this. No, I, I actually – I heard you call in and tell Girardi to bring him in. So I was on that, the other end of the bullpen line. That, yeah, that is you, correct. You, it was kind of like the AJ Minner thing at, at Texas A&M where the fans called into the bullpen, got him in. The they game said, get, they said, get hell up in this yeah. spot. And Girardi didn't even notice. You're right. Yeah. Girardi, Girardi's like, Oh, okay. It's, <laughs> and he got David Hale in the game. And I just, I just don't understand how his ERA is as low as it is when you see the amount of traffic that are consistently on the bases against the guy. He just, he just isn't it. And you can't tell me some of these guys, I don't even know who they have at AAA, but they, you can't tell me they're worse. De Los Santos who's bounced back and forth. No, never mind. He is worse. Yeah. I thought I'd just start rattling off some names just to yeah. make you to check you on that statement. Yeah. He uh, is Hec- worse. Hector Neris as the closer. We know Joe Girardi loves roles. You mentioned earlier when he managed the Yankees, obviously the greatest closer of all time. I don't, I hope he realizes that. No one in baseball is Mariano Rivera, but he certainly wants a closer. Seems like he prefers to have someone in the closer's role. That dates back to last season when they we saw how many Brandon Workman blown saves. But now they have Hector Neris, who is far better than him. A lot of people don't want him as the closer. I certainly think it's – I actually like it. I think he's better than most people give him credit for. And I also like the idea of having pitchers like Sam Coonrod and Jose Alvarado at your disposal in the earlier innings of the game. Yeah. I'm not a big proponent of necessarily having bullpen roles, but if you're going to have a set closer role, him being the closer, I'm completely fine with it. He obviously sometimes is he walks, he walks a tightrope, but it's a high wire act, but, yeah. Quite frankly, I think more closures than people realize are like, there's a lot of high. Yeah, I'm not sure closures. how many teams in the league have necessarily just automatically won the game when their closer comes in, like, except like the Yankees with Chapman 
and get James Karinchak kind of is like that. And off the top of my head, Josh Hader. When the Brewers go to Hader, I was going to say. But yeah. look, the same way we were talking about Nola being an ace, and there's only a handful of starters that you're like, that guy is a solidified ace every time he steps on the mound. There's only a handful of closers or relief pitchers, if you want to broaden the, the brush here, that you're like, okay, that's an automatic just shut down inning or however long he's in. I don't think there's that many relief pitchers that are that locked down. I think Hector Neris is one of the better ones. And there's a reason why he's among the save le- saves leaders, which isn't the perfect barometer, but there's a reason why he's on the list with the other good closers in the league. Cause he's a pretty, I think he's a pretty good closer. Yeah. I, I just, he, even the, like he, uh, I just, I think, probably highly more highly of him than most fans but i just see no reason to replace him right now and especially after the outrage of the braves game wore off and everyone was calling for his head i i just don't feel he's been good since i think his stuff has looked better this season he's worked in he's you know now has like a three pitch mix like i think the splitter has split more often. He's working in a slider and a fastball. I think they play well off each other when called correctly, which I don't think it was by JT in that game yeah, that against was... the Braves. Well, I thought that was a mistake, which is another mental mistake of sorts that I tweeted out. And people thought I was blaming Berard, Girardi for that pitch selection. But I do think it's a mental error, which speaks to a larger issue that ultimately leads back to Joe Girardi. But I didn't think that was on Hector Naris. I don't expect... Not that I don't expect, but I doubt that a guy like Hector Neris is going to shake off JT Romuto, highly regarded as the best catcher in baseball. It's like he knows what he's doing, so I'm going to work a fastball. It didn't make any sense, especially to Sandoval. But overall, I think his stuff has looked good this season, and he hasn't done enough to remove himself from that closer's role. But I get it. The guy's been around a while, and there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good memories, but there's certainly a lot of bad ones. And he does make things interesting, as many relief pitchers in his role do, I believe. Yeah, I just I, I think it's a situation like Gabe Kapler where you miss him, you you don't appreciate him when you have him, and when he's gone, you start It'll to be like, oh, I wish we had Hector Naris. Yeah. I wish we had him back when you might have to turn to like Enil De Los Santos to get an important out when you could just turn to Hector Naris, who has honestly at a consistent rate ever since he went down to Lehigh Valley a couple years ago and came back, has been has been very good. And I have absolutely no complaints with how he's pitched this year. He's one of the least, like just the he's problem number seventeen issues. with this team. Yeah, there's there's so many more significant issues than Hector Neris that it's it's kind of mind boggling to me that he gets as much hate as he does, and how he's brought up seemingly by fans as one of the bigger issues on the roster when he just clearly is not one of those issues. I'll, before we wrap uh, this episode of the Locked on Police podcast up, I know you've been waiting for this moment. Uh, It's one of the more highly anticipated episodes we've had since I've been doing the podcast, a hundred plus episodes, and I'm sure this will kill in the ratings. Uh, Anything you would like to say, I don't want to cut off any chance, anything you'd like to say to the listeners, to the audience. I know you are a member of the audience uh, on a day in day out basis. So anything I didn't get to uh, Philly's rate, Phillies related, locked on Phillies related, me related, and anything you want that you need to get to. I know you, you tune in every day. Anything that I've said that's absolutely ridiculous, this is your chance to challenge me on it. Go right ahead. The floor is yours. Yeah, I just want to say, like, to be honest, 
most of your opinions I pretty much agree with, unfortunately. And it hurts me to say this, but I think you're pretty rational on here. And most of the complaints I have, you usually seem to have the exact same complaints. And as a noted complainer as you are, I'm 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 honored that we have the exact same complaints. I, that makes me feel better about my complaining. Well, some are calling this the locked on complaining podcast as opposed to the Phillies podcast, just because there's so much complaining to do with this team. Like they, they've the team is one twenty two lost or one twenty one lost twenty, and the twenty losses feel like they have each counted for five. Like if you didn't, if I wasn't looking at the standings, I wouldn't even believe that this team has managed to have a winning record this season, just because every, every time they lose, they make such an art form of it every day. It's something new, whether it's running out of players or a pitcher, not knowing what base to throw to or a mental blunder in the outfield or forgetting who's on the lineup card. And they've actually won some of those games and they still just things you never thought you'd see. They find ways to do it. So it's I'm certainly not short for content on what to complain about. Yeah. I, so you're right. It, this team gets me riled up and I come back. It's it's like a, a boxer who gets knocked down on a daily basis. And for whatever reason, I am drawn back to the team on a nightly basis just to come back for more because apparently I haven't had enough. It, it, it reminds me of that Happy Gilmore scene where Bob Barker tells Happy that like, oh, you haven't had enough. And he punches him out. Now you've had enough, except yeah. I somehow never get enough of this, of the angst that this team provides me. So, yeah. but, but, but I'm glad you, uh, you enjoy the program. M- Emmy level acting from Adam Sandler in that movie, by the way. But um, yeah, I just want to say that this team should be lucky. They are where they are in the standings. Not and sure lucky that the division is where it is. Like this is a division. Everyone thought would be good. And it's, yeah. it's, it sucks right now. Like it's everyone's luck- mediocre. It's lucky the Braves pitching has been pretty bad. Francisco Lindor apparently forgot how to play baseball. Um, you're lucky all those things have happened. And, and just the Nationals have had some unfortunate injuries to their superstar. And the Marlins, I honestly, I just, they might make a run. I'm not kidding. Like, I think they have the ability. Only to team with a positive run differential, if, if you think that means anything in the NL East so yeah, far. They definitely have a better manager than Phillies. So I'll say that. Um, any, so th- those were your final thoughts on the podcast. Any final thoughts, uh, b- before we wrap this up here? Yeah. Shohei Otani MVP 50 to one. I know you don't have it. I, I, I don't think you, so we obviously give each other, uh, we're in each other's faces a lot, uh, particularly, you know, Aaron gives me a hard time on Twitter, but it, it is certainly, it's, it's a funny, our friends find it funny. Uh, he's been, he's been begging day in and day out to come on. Finally had to give him you know, some fame here on the podcast, show them some love. It's an off day. Hopefully the Phillies can write this ship with a, a series coming up against the Marlins, a team that you just mentioned could eventually go on a run here. It'd be kind of nice to get some wins at home against them. And then another interleague series coming up this weekend against the Red Sox. Here's to hoping there's brighter times ahead with this Phillies, but I, I think we're both in agreement here that there's a lot of tactical and fundamental yeah. flaws with this team that will prevent this team from getting there on a consistent basis. Yeah. Aaron, thank you so much uh, for staying up late with us here tonight yep. and joining us. Uh, always fun talking baseball. I'll see you at uh, practice tomorrow and hopefully we won't have these same issues. You're right with our, with our nine-year-old team as the Phillies do at the major league level. Yeah, I hope so. Thanks. Thanks for having me again. I uh, hope to be back on soon. That's going to do it for today's episode of the locked on Phillies podcast. Again, huge. Thank you 
to Aaron Strong and my dear friend of many, many years for hopping on the podcast here today. We discussed everything as it pertains to the current Phillies team. Hopefully you all got an insight to what our banter when it comes to baseball, the Phillies, or anything for that matter, is like. And again, hopefully you did enjoy it. Coming up later on the podcast later this week, we'll of course have reactions to all of these games against the Miami Marlins and then previewing this weekend series against the Boston Red Sox. But until then, be sure you are subscribed on the podcast page. Be sure you are following the Twitter account at LO underscore Phillies. And be sure to be following me on Twitter at Dan underscore Wilson 4. Get all the sports news you need in less than 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.